Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. Julie, welcome to April the 19th. And we have a continuation of the show we started last week, but you were on coaching calls. Mm-hmm. Pretty all much morning. all day. Yeah. yeah. You had a whole bunch in a row. Yeah. It's, I have to say, uh, agents who are being proactive are being very nicely rewarded right now. And I had a lot of conversations about this kind of unique circumstances in time where pretty much everybody's enthusiastic about real estate. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not hard to have a conversation about real estate these days. When you mean everyone, you mean all consumers want to talk about real estate. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and all price ranges. Yes, in all price ranges. Yeah. And investors are excited. You know, I would say of, of all the crowd, probably first-time buyers, FHA and VA, are the most frustrated right now. But we also have plenty of stories of them winning and finding a way to get what they need. And I, I had an interesting conversation with an agent this morning about uh, VA offers, <clears throat> excuse me, and the fact that there's a lot of mythology that you don't want to take a VA offer and all this kind of thing. And, you know, she actually put a deal together for a a veteran buyer. And she said, you know, what agents don't understand is that just because they're doing a VA transaction or a VA loan does not mean that they don't qualify for a conventional loan, right? It just means that they're using their privileges. Right, I know. So so, I mean, so that's just some misinformation. Well, Monday's your long day. So if you have any other yes. inspirations from all your coaching calls, do share them with uh, share them with all the listeners. But I do want to start out by uh, thanking somebody. I don't think we should say her last name probably because we didn't ask her permission. Yep. Did you ask permission? I didn't. To, okay. So her name is Maggie, and Maggie sent us this really. And Maggie, I know you're a podcast listener. We're not going to use your last name. <laughs> um, but, but you Ma- know who you are. But Maggie and her husband are coaching clients, but they're also part of our EXP family. And she sent us probably one of our favorite texts ever because it really uh, spoke directly to Julie and I's hearts because she completely understood where we're coming from, where our motivations are with regards to really everything that we do professionally. So I'm going to have Julie read this to you guys, and um, hopefully you'll appreciate it as well. Yeah, this this is like one of the nicest, greatest things that I've read in a long time. Uh, good morning, Tim. Please share this text with Julie too. Thank you. Thank you both so much. You're truly using your wisdom, experience, and wealth to bless so many people, including my family and me. You're changing not only so many lives now, but also the lives of many generations of families for years to come. Do you realize what you're doing? You are a living example of how to use what God has blessed you with to bless others. Thank you for the new Libertas website. It's beautiful. Thank you again for your dedication and helping us gain wealth from revenue share and so much more. This text, these words can't begin to articulate my gratitude for you both and for beautiful Zoe. I live I love hearing her sweet voice on the calls, and I appreciate that because she does a lot of call bombing. Um, <laughs> she does. I'm praying for you all, and I love seeing how God is using you and how you're being uh, obedient to his calling for you. Please don't interpret a lot of silence on the Libertas Mastermind call to mean any of us are ungrateful or to take your wisdom and generosity for granted. Tim and Julie, you are loved. Julie, thank you for Libertas and persuading Tim to align with the XP and giving us the hope that our family will have this freedom now. And for generations to come, you're extraordinary. Keep up the good work and have a great weekend. What a, what a fantastic thing 
for someone to say, right? Yeah, we appreciate you for taking the time to say that. And it's very heartfelt. And we, we absolutely uh, take that, you know, I don't need, I'm speechless when I read things like that because we're, we're so in it all the time that we mm-hmm. don't always realize, you know, the impact that hopefully we're making. And well, it is for her and her family. And I appreciate that. I, it is hard for us as we stand in this little office, you know, with her holding our mics <laughs> right. as we stand up and do this podcast we do every day. It's hard uh, to comprehend the fact that on some days we have 50 and 60,000 people yeah. on that day. Listen to us. I know. And I, whenever you throw <laughs> out numbers like that, I try, I try to relate that to something like, you know, our old town of Georgetown, Texas, I think the population was like 27,000, something like that. <laughs> like if every single person listened to us in every single household, that's how many it is, plus, plus, plus. Yeah. So, so it's a lot. And, you know, sometimes we don't think about that. But we do appreciate it, Maggie. It was very sweet of you to send that to us. And we do get a lot of other messages, but, you know, they're generally speaking, um, you know, it, they're similar to that, but not as long. And I think that motivates uh, us, certainly, but it'll probably motivate a lot of you as well. When she was talking about Libertas, just in case you guys were confused, Libertas is our EXP revenue share group. If you're interested in joining EXP, if you're at least EXP curious, you want you seriously had to just give me a text like Maggie and her husband did um, at 512-758-0206. And you'll understand more why she was feeling so grateful because really the difference with um, EXP and the reason that we ultimately aligned with EXP is because we saw it as a great sort of continuation of or an extension really of what we were doing in coaching. You know, our coaching company is designed to help you guys sell real estate and make lots of net profit. But really the brokerage arm of uh, the brokerage aspect is also critical because the old uh, question you'd always be asked is, well, you know, what is your broker paying or what are you paying your broker? In other words, what's the commission split? What are your fees and all that? And the new question is with EXP is what is your broker paying you? And that's a significant difference because at EXP you get, you will uh, participate. Obviously your commission splits are probably a lot less than, I'm sorry, a lot greater in your benefit than wherever you are now. There's all those normal questions that generally speaking EXP wins on. But then when you get into the revenue share, you get into the stock, you get into the healthcare that they offer, you get into all the other aspects of EXP, and you realize just by doing what you're already doing, by doing it at EXP, you're not just going to get paid one time through a commission check. You're going to get paid multiple times through multiple sources. And and I, the best part is most of them are passive. Um, and this is something all of you have to learn about because what this does is traditionally, and really the premise of our business is, you know, your product is profit. And with that profit, you then reinvest it and you reinvest it in things that create passive income for you. The passive income um, ideally that you're, you know, we did it through rental properties. We did it through some other businesses. That passive income then essentially creates enough financial freedom that you are by definition rich, where your money works for you and you no longer work for your money. And those of you who've read Harris Rules, our best-selling book, you know what I'm talking about. But the path to do what Julie and I did takes oftentimes decades, which is how long it took us to get there mm-hmm. uh, to the point where we had all those different income sources generating passive income for us. But you guys can do what we did, what took us two decades to do at EXP, utilizing the various programs that they've created, namely revenue share. And you could create the same level of passive income or at least enough passive income so that you have at least your personal bills covered for the rest of your life. You could create that in a matter of a year or two or three, depending on what your personal overhead is. That's something that's never been available. And it's interesting when agents are exposed to this idea, a lot of them, 
you know, the ones that are unfortunately going to probably just stay on the uh, transaction train the rest of their lives and never create any financial independence, they don't want to see it because it makes them uncomfortable because they, they want to be you know, consummate uh, skeptics. And once they set aside that skepticism, they start seeing that this is real. It's a publicly traded company. There's, you know, 50,000 growing agents. There's, you know, literally tens of thousands of people like Maggie. You can have that same experience and you too can create passive income for yourself. And this, so as I'm looking at Harris rules and I'm thinking that is the essence of the book, that's the last chapter talking about the point of your business is to make profit and with that profit, you reinvest it and create passive income. And again, the goal is to create enough passive income that your your own personal overhead at the very least is uh, more than covered through the passive income. You know, some of you might call it mailbox money. Well, again, you can do that with EXP and you could do it really quick. So I would strongly suggest all of you, if you're, and all of you should be looking at your broker's decision as a business decision. That's what it should be primarily. Which brokerage situation is going to create the most immediate cash flow for you and the most, the best prospect of long-term passive cash flow for you? And there really is only one answer and that's EXP. If you guys are interested in talking with me about EXP, if you're interested in joining Julie, I, and you know, Maggie at EXP in our le- revenue share group called Libertas, and Libertas, by the way, is Latin for freedom, just text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. So thank you, Maggie, and thanks to all the uh, others of you. Um, you know, who've really are recognizing that Julie and I are on mission, we're downrange, mm-hmm. and we're definitely doing what we feel like we were put on this planet to do. Um, so That's Julie, right. speaking of which, let's pick up where uh-huh. we left off last week. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, so last week we started talking about this whole lack of inventory business that you guys are living in. And the first part of that podcast, we were convincing you to stop hoping, speculating, wishing that the market's just going to shift magically to the buyer side of things and make your lives all dramatically easier. Believe me, we spend a lot of time praying to the real estate gods, small g, that uh, that will happen for you, but there are zero factors pointing in that direction. Do you know the one point, and this came out over the weekend when I was mm-hmm. thinking about your first six points. Actually, mm-hmm. you made the seven points because we put inflation on there. Yep. There was actually an eighth point that we should have talked about too, mm-hmm. which is really the uh, sort of the geographic shift that's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, essentially the biggest... Uh, it was the industrial revolution that you know brought everyone in from the countryside to work in the cities back in the industrial revolution well now because of this technological revolution you're seeing that uh, that trend you know finally after hundreds of years really well 100 years people it's have freedom now it's it's moving away cuz now people can work where they want to yeah. work, work live where they want to live and all the rest of it so point number really arguably 8 to our points from last friday probably should have been also there's going to be a remaining uh, inventory shortage problem even in the yeah. um, areas that before would have maybe considered isolated. Yes. And, you know, I was thinking about that, that we can certainly see that and feel that. And we hear it from coaching clients, podcast listeners in the U.S. But wait until that Starlink takes off. Oh, I know. Then we'll have global freedom. I 100% And now your neighbor maybe is moving from Nigeria, for example. Right. Or Or maybe you want to go try out Nigeria. So I, I think that this is like the first wave of it. So Starlink, in case you guys don't know, just Google it. And in essence, uh, Elon Musk, of course, of course. <laughs> has created, well, he actually, I think, bought this company and then basically helped to bring it uh, to market really fast. But it's a series, it, it's a satellite, an internet connection, but it's like none other. And he's essentially, it's a web of satellites that are going to essentially cover most of, not obviously the uh the land masses, you know, not the oceans, but the land masses around the world. So there's not going to be even a, 
there's parts of the world that have never had internet before, but there's parts of even what you like here in Puerto Rico, the internet connection can be a little bit janky parts of the United States. It's a little bit janky. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of different parts of the world where people are going to choose to live because they don't want to live in this very expensive, congested communities. We've all been bound to living in our particular geographic areas, mostly for the sake of employment, but also because that's where our families are and whatnot. Well, what if people all of a sudden, because of, you know, employers don't care whether you're going to an office every day, how many people are going to choose to jump back on that, you know, sitting in a traffic for an hour every day, hour back home, you know, constantly being time starved. If people are given an option, I could pretty much guarantee you that people are going to choose to basically live where they can spend more time with their families and have less stress overall. Um, so who knows where that's going to stop, but it definitely appears that the COVID induced uh, trend to move away from the densely populated urban environments is picking up momentum. So that's something that's going to start seeing, well, it already is. I, I, we use Murphy, North Carolina as an example. We bought a house there last year, a cabin, you know, and it's going to, it, it, I check on those values occasionally just to see what's going on in the mountains of Murphy. And guess what? There's hardly any inventory and the stuff that comes for sale sells really fast. Or raises their price and then sells really fast. Yeah, exactly. We've right. been seeing in where we're from before, where we lived before we moved to Puerto Rico, we're in Georgetown, Texas, where it's north of Austin, but it's not Austin. We're seeing the builders are all raising their prices because of the demand from Austin, where people are having to move up because they can't find anything even remotely, you know, reasonably priced down there. Bottom line, guys, is we're just getting started. And, and again, go back to listen to the points that we did on Friday, because it really does drill down, and which I think is the most important thing that's going to cause this complete lack of inventory for some time to come, which is really the demographic demand. That's right. And there was another point I'm going to put this into a little bit more polished version, uh, which is we didn't even get into talk, and I don't think we need too much, about the fact that there's no real underlying catalyst to make the housing market crash. We right. don't have a ton of subprime loans going on. Appraisals, you know, actually matter. And you also have to be much more qualified this time around because lenders are very specific. Tons of lender overlays right now. You have to actually be qualified or guess what? Pay all cash. So actually that should have been point eight too. Yeah. So, and what you're saying is what we've talked mm -hmm. about on the podcast before. There's a record amount of uh, equity. We talked about that a little are, bit. Oh yeah, you did. Oh, did we? Where? Cash low interest rates. Right? No, that's, well, not quite the same, right? Yeah. There's a record amount of equity in homes uh, over a trillion dollars. So even if there was a price reversal or houses weren't inflating as fast, like I had a coaching call this morning and this guy's market is not, it's like maybe a B market. So A markets would have traditionally been like Manhattan and Miami. B markets would have been something like where Julie and I sold uh, real estate and been like Columbus, Ohio. And C markets would have been like where Murphy is, where it's mm -hmm. two hours away from any place. But you're seeing the C markets and the B markets now are appreciating just like the A markets have been historically. So that's never happened before. Um, and that's going to, you know, obviously create more uh, inventory, lack of inventory. If you guys are selling anywhere in the United States where you've been hoping and praying that one day there would be a huge spike in uh, values, well, you're experiencing it now. And yeah. I bet you missed the good old days where you could find a house for somebody. Right. But your over-year appreciation in most of these B and C markets now is over 10%. So, and that's unprecedented, really. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's that's crazy. So these points were created for you guys. And again, listen to the beginning of this podcast series from last week. But these are for two things. One is to convince you 
to stop thinking that it's just going to get magically full of inventory one day because there's absolutely no catalyst But that is for the that. name question we get. I mean, it you is. and I get that all the time. We, people invite us to their podcasts asking us when the market's going right. to correct or crash and slow down. And they all expect Julie and I to have some sort of crystal ball where we're going to you know, predict headwinds. But when we come to with points similar to this mm-hmm. to other people's podcasts, and mostly these are real estate investor podcasts, they don't know what to think because all of them are expecting there to be a big crash because they're all trying to sell content or you know, basically that's where they think they'll get their best bargains. And I have to tell them the bitter truth. What if today's prices are the lowest prices on homes that you're ever going to see in the rest of your lifetime? You're, in other words, rents need to really, really increase. And that's going to be what happens in an inflationary period, which was point number six from last week mm-hmm. or four, actually. But you're going to see a lot of inflation. Inflation is going to take hold in many different forms. Specifically, it's, you're going to see as as is relevant to real estate. You're going to see it in, in rental prices because that's, you know, markets are going to be willing to pay it because people can't buy houses. Landlords are going to raise prices. Property taxes are also going to be dramatically increased. So we got to notice that our properties in Texas, they're all the property taxes as we knew it happened last year yes. and the property taxes are all of a sudden like the you know i can give you just funny examples but what are you going to do it is what it is you're going to pay it or sell it that's right <laughs> uh, which might be a reason that some people sell for sure okay so these points that we gave you of why it's not just going to magically adjust are for you so that you stop waiting because there's agents that aren't taking as much action as they would because they're hoping that it's going to get definitely easier. But also because so many of you are reporting that there are certain buyers out there because they're asking to compete, because they have to go over a list, you know, wave the appraisal sometimes, wave the inspection. Sometimes that makes buyers nervous, you can imagine. And they'll say things to you like, well, gosh, you know, maybe this isn't the market for us. Maybe we should wait for things to adjust. Well, you know what? If you're not explaining these points to them, you might being a, be you might be giving them a disservice, right? So you know, what are you saying to yourself? We talked about this a little bit last week. If you're saying, I already have too many buyers, how can I deal with this? Or maybe, you know, you've got a buyer convincing you that it's better to wait. Well, that's kind of malpractice if you know these points, don't you think? Well, I said it a second ago, right? I because mean, their hey, rent's going to raise well, and things like that. You and I had had opportunities to buy properties that we chose not to buy. And a year later, especially here in Puerto Rico, yeah. we could have made significant amounts of money. And we didn't do it. True. So you need to learn listeners to tell stories opposed to just saying there's, you know, for example, well, I had a client last year. This, this is just me winging it and making it up, but you guys can use this. Um, you know, it was Betty and Steve, or maybe you actually have real names. Use them when you can. And uh, they were uh, vacillating on buying something because they didn't want to feel like they were overpaying. Um, and so they stayed renting. And now what's happened is properties have continued to imp- appreciate or increase in value at such a rate now that they can't afford to buy what they would have been able to buy last year because they thought indeed prices would somehow come down. And so the bitter truth is it is possible because of the current trends. And we gave you those guys points yesterday or on Friday. And we also just were talking about them just a second ago. You know, if you can then present those eight or nine points to your sellers or your buyers rather and say, listen, there's a good chance that today's price might be the lowest price we're going to see on housing for some time to come. So if you're willing to wait it out for as long as maybe even 10 years, that maybe there's some sort of price adjustment, but Mr. Seller, because they, or Mr. Seller, Mr. Buyer, because the effects of inflation, and again, there's other points that Julie and I talked about, 
do you do you see any reason to believe that uh, prices on real estate is going to fall anytime soon? And when you present them with the facts, because when Julie and I are presenting to all of you, we're presenting to all of you in such a way that we're wanting you to then present it to your prospective clients, so you then can help them transact and you can make money, right? It's not just for your you know information purposes or enjoyment. It's for you to then use this information to make money and help the folks that you're supposed to be helping. So if they're panicked because they think they're overpaying. Um, there, there really might not be a better time for them to buy despite the prices, which goes against the way a lot of us have thought about things in general, especially after the housing crash. The housing crash was a once in a lifetime experience, but what we're and what happened after the housing crash, the greatest seller's market in the history of humanity started. And now we're starting to see it go to the next level and it's going to probably continue for some time to come. So not only might they be hurting their future prospects because prices will go up while they're waiting, but meanwhile, their rent's probably going up if yep. they're renting because it's got to catch up at some point. Okay. So it's all supply and demand, of course. So what do you do with all this? Well, you've got to stop saying to yourself, I've already got too many buyers. It's too stressful. I don't want any more buyers. And or I'm afraid to take listings be who also have to buy. So you might be part of the problem if you're not making your calls. Some, some of these guys are not are afraid to even do their lead follow-up because they're afraid of uncovering another buyer issue, Well, right? as, remember we shared yeah. that uh, coaching client call I had last week where mm -hmm. he said he had, I think it was like 12 different seller leads. Yes, that's leads. a great example. Yeah, and he didn't want to actually put any of them on the market because he was fearful that he wouldn't be able to find something for them to buy, to which we were suggesting that you then ask more drill-down qualification questions, and you might quickly ascertain that the seller has plenty of places they could choose to go. They're just not necessarily local. Maybe they can go and, you know, they're in New York City. You sell their place. They want to go down to Charleston or whatever. So make sure you're asking real drill down questions because you might be, by not pushing that seller forward, you might be actually creating an objection in the seller's mind about using you because after all, you know that they want to sell this house. Why haven't you listed their property yet? you might actually be creating a problem that you don't realize you're creating because you are fearful of something that the seller is not. And they don't care about. They just want the house yeah, sold. which is called creating an objection where there isn't one. And furthermore- And being assumptive because right. you haven't got the facts. Right, exactly. So why don't you ask the seller what's important to them opposed to you putting your values on them? Exactly. Because what you, what you feel is important to you is frankly irrelevant to the transaction. It's what's important to them. That's right. And remember, you're dealing with grownups here who probably have moved before and very likely already have a strategy in place, which may or may not include you. Your job is to find out. Right. So what's the solution? Well, there's three parts, three specific categories of people or spokes that you should be communicating with. Number one, of course, your own center of influence and past clients, your database, to create the inventory you're looking for. We've got a script that we dabbled with a little bit last week we'll drill down on. Uh, number two, you've got to realize in a hot seller's market, there are expireds that need your help. Usually that's because of aspirational pricing, sometimes strict showing restrictions. Sometimes it was bad timing with the pandemic lockdowns, and that all creates expired. So some of the listings I've been hearing just on my calls today have been uh, six-month-old and older expireds where our coaching clients have reached out to them and talked about what prices are happening in the neighborhood, and there's a lot of enthusiasm for the neighborhood, and I'm sorry you know, you weren't able to be successful last time, but let me tell you about what's happening now. Well, I had a call with Brian, and Brian's going to set uh, this morning, and I, he's going to set uh, five listing appointments this week. And the way he's going to do it, he's going to call his centers of influence and past clients. He's got like 350 past clients that he's going to call all of them. And he's going to use your and I's little you know, script, basically mm -hmm. letting them know, hey, ring, ring. Uh, hi, this is you know Tim Harris with ABC Realty. So listen, I'm calling because I've got some really great news for you. You're going to want to maybe sit down. 
Um, well, here it is. Your house, since you purchased it, has almost gone up by you know 50%, 80%, 100%, whatever it is. And I just wanted to call and share the good news with you. And, and if you want me to give you a more drilled down uh, you know, assessment of your value, I'll send you all email over a CMA and uh, you can have that information. And then they'll say, well, thanks. That's great. Fantastic. How's the family? How's the dog? And then you ask, you can ask directly for a referral or you can simply say, by the way, who do you know who's thinking about selling in this market that I should be helping? Um, and if you don't make calls like that in a market like this, uh, you're going to be missing the boat because again, everyone's real estate curious. Julie and I started out by talking about that on the top of today's call. Everyone who owns a home basically in the United States has won the housing lottery. Yeah. And so if you are the being, the, if you are the one that calls them and tells them, congratulations, uh, they actually have the winning lottery ticket. You don't think that call is going to go incredibly well. Of course it is. You're giving them really good news. You're making them feel good. This is a great opportunity to have a lot of, you know, put a lot of goodwill out there and it's going to come back at you in the form of leads referrals. And you never know the, you might actually find somebody who wants to sell their house, which is the whole purpose. Yeah. Don't wait until they see their neighbor successfully for sale by owner. <laughs> and then you find out after the fact, you guys are not allowed to be mad at your database people. If you are not talking to them, somebody else will be and, or they'll decide to do it on their own. Okay. So what do you say? The script consists of two things. One is what we just talked about, showing your potential seller the actual facts about the market. Just because you know what's going on and we know go what's going on does not mean that every single person knows what their house is worth. Offer a free CMA like Tim just went through with you. Then the second part, actually be able to handle that objection that so many of you are living in fear of. Remember the definition of an objection is an unanswered question in the mind of the prospect, which goes like this. Well, I'd sell, but what am I going to buy? Okay. So what is your current answer? I've actually heard agents say this or post this. Well, yeah, I know it's really hard to find anything and then we have to compete. Well, that's not that motivational, is it? So instead have a better script that actually deals with that potential uh, objection. But before you assume that, the way we set you up with the script is to educate them and then ask them, for example, that's where I am right now. Oh, so, so now that you know what we could likely get at least blank for your home, what does that do to your plans? You know, would you like me to drill down on a market analysis? Let's say you say what that's worth. Well, what does that do to your plans? Because guess what? They might actually have plans. So let's, let's hover there. So you're going to find that you will have conversations that um, will surprise you. You'll find people who would who will start saying things like, well, you know what? We were going to put the house for sale when Johnny or Susie graduates from high school or college or whatever. And well, great. So once they, if once that, you know, the property were to sell, uh, where would you, where were you guys going to go? Well, we've always wanted to live. Boom. Now you have motivation and now you have time frame, mm -hmm. and now you might have some ways to basically move the ball down the field for you in terms of getting the house listed now. Uh, Julie mentioned old expireds. That's a gold mine. Old expireds, I'll tell you what, how many of those houses expired late last year around Halloween that have not relisted that, you know, said they relist in the spring? Remember this statistic, something like 90% of all expires relist and sell within 180 days. You can even go back further than that. You can go back to the involuntary landlords. There's probably some people out there that would love to sell their rental properties in this market. You're going to have to work to find the inventory, but there's tons and tons of inventory out there. And again, Julie just said something really critical. Just because you live and breathe house prices doesn't mean other people do. And I'll give you an example. I, I was um, on realtor.com. I will never go on Zillow. 
And I found uh, some comps for Julie to see of some of our rental properties that we have back in Columbus. Did you look at those comps yes, I sent you? Yes, like holy tamale. Right, exactly. And, right. and we own those, and we're not even all that tuned in exactly. all the time, right? I mean, I was really surprised yeah. when I saw those were both uh, sole comps. Sold. Yeah. yeah, and they were both exact same, you know, models of I ours. Know. And it was, you know, right? But so if I, Julie were my seller and I were calling her up to tell her that, you saw Julie's reaction. It's like <laughs> elation, you know, know. It make, people like the you know, like psychological, you're right. It makes her feel, you know, more comfortable, secure, because when you're calling somebody and you're giving them that good news, you're making them feel smart too. Well, you guys are so, right. so smart to buy that house. Boy, you were really great at, you know, thinking about how that, what was going to happen with me, whatever, whatever. You just pour it on, love on them, make them feel good, then offer them a more adept CMA. And you will be, every single person, remember, this is the, hopefully one of the big takeaways for you guys today. Everybody is thinking about at some of differing levels of intensity, right? Everyone's thinking about real estate or they're basically a conversation away from thinking about real estate. That means that they're conversing or interacting with other people that are also thinking about real estate in some level. So if all of a sudden you've made them feel good because you're giving them good news about the property that they own, then they're going to naturally want to share that good news with other people that they know, meaning that they're all of a sudden going to be without knowing an emissary for you as they then start bragging on the fact that they were brilliant and their house is worth 10 times more than what they paid for it, thus creating leads for you. You guys see how this works? Yes. You just have to talk to people. Yep. And don't you think it would be kind of weird if, say, your neighbor brought that fact up with you and you hadn't heard from your realtor? Right. Don't you think that'd be a little awkward? Well, Julie, imagine if you know you and I were still selling real estate, and we were selling real estate in a market like this. And we, you, you tell me this scenario <laughs> where you're going to call somebody, and they're not going to be thrilled to talk to you as you tell them their house is worth twice as much what I they know. paid for it. It's like I would make those calls all day, all day until, every day, right? until I lost my voice. I know. I know. So for those of you who are thinking, oh, wouldn't it be great to have a bunch of foreclosures hit the market? I'll tell you what, those conversations are not as good. And no, we're not talking about doing this in the form of a video or an Instagram no, post no, or a TikTok. No. Pick up the damn phone. Have the conversations. Seriously. Actually look at people in the eye as you're giving them good news or at least hear their voices as you're giving them good news. Stop thinking that you can somehow, oh, I'll make one video. It'll be five minutes long and I'll put it up on YouTube and I'll send it to everyone. That's not what we're talking about. If you do that, if you act like that, if you're passive like that, expect zero results because that's what everyone else does. You know, you have to be willing to do the real work of real estate, which is having real intentional conversations with decision-making adults about buying or selling real estate. And in a market like this, you need to learn how to create your own inventory and be focusing all your best energies on becoming a listing agent. All the frustrations are and will continue to be with growing levels of intensity on the buyer side of the transaction. Which, by the way, if you guys have not done your 2021 business plan yet, it's not too late for you to get this done. Text 2021, actually, I where's the new, oh, yeah, there it is. Text 2021 to 47372. Text 2021, just text 2021 to 47372. When you do, we're going to text you back the real estate treasure map, and we're also going to text you back uh, Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate. We are giving you those two books because they work in tandem perfectly. Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate is Think and Grow Rich from Napoleon Hill, the public domain version with a lot of added real estate content. And then the real estate treasure map is your fill in the blank business plan, your business and life plan. Get both of these. They are free. Uh, yes, the real estate treasure map is for sale on Amazon. Do not buy it. We want to give it to you. Just text 2021 to 47372. All right, so the next part of this is helping you guys have that discussion about different options for how somebody can sell and then buy or sell and maybe not buy. 
So you check yourself on this, okay? What are you currently saying? Do you and I've been I actually have been testing coaching clients on this. Hmm. And I've, I've also been making it their homework. So if you ask, and it's amazing, even some of the experienced agents, in their case, maybe because they've got a lot of plates spinning and they've just got to think about it, you put them on the spot. So I got a house to sell, but what am I going to buy? Okay. They've got maybe one or two answers. Well, you know, there's not a lot of inventory, so I guess you could move in with your kids. <laughs> yeah, well, that's probably not going to inspire them to do anything. So the homework is this. Write down, and I think there's eight different obvious ways to deal with this, but really think it through. And secondly is to not make it about the person you're talking to. You're gonna tell stories about other clients that you've helped because that removes the ego of the person that you're talking to and helps them open their mind to other possibilities. Storytelling, guys, is one of the best ways of telling something to somebody that you otherwise uh, would run out of talent telling them, right? So if you need to tell somebody bad news or if you wanna tell them something they probably don't wanna hear, uh, then definitely do it in the form of a story. Or you could even actually ask for permission. So, you know, Bob, do you mind if I tell you something, something you probably don't want to hear, something that might, or, you know, might even make you a little bit mad? So I, was wanted, to, I wanted to share with you the story of some clients that I had um, because they're in the exact same situation as you. Something like that. Yes. And then they're giving you permission, but you can soften the blow of giving them the very direct information in the form of a story. Or you can say, you know, Bob, do I have permission to be really direct with you about you know, what's going on right now with your situation, whatever it is, fill in the blank. He says, yes. Okay. And I'm gonna, you know, and then you can like say what, the, what it is the point you're trying to make. And something like, you know, you've got it. Let's say it's an overpriced, like grossly overpriced. You, Bob, the fact is, is that we're not positioned correctly. We're not meeting the market where it is. We have to reposition on the house on the market so that it correctly reflects the buyer's expectations and then we'll get multiple offers and then pivot to a story. So I want to tell you a story about, you know, Betty and Barney. And then this is the da, 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 da. And then you tell a story that reinforces your direct point. Then you're going to essentially help that uh, seller fear less, feel less uh, fearful uh, be motivated less out of his ego and he's going to see through it and he's then going to be willing to reposition the house because you didn't the market. make it about him right you didn't make it about him but you also uh we're telling the story in a not you're you're talking in a non-analytical format because the human brain is designed to want to hear stories and i've actually read about why that's true mm -hmm. have you I think we listened to a, a book about a podcast. This yeah. yeah. So people are designed to want to consume content in the form of a story. And the belief is, is because that's how information was traditionally mm, passed right. before the written word, before the Gutenberg press made, you know, the dissemination of content widespread uh, mm -hmm. through, you know, printing. Right. And so the old way of doing it is people would just sit around by the literal campfire and, and pass these stories along to each other. And that was the essentially that's how dissemination of information was back in the olden times. It's interesting. And so our brains are still wired to want to hear stories because what happens, it's fascinating. When you're telling a story to somebody, they can be the most wired up analytical driver, sort of like in your face type of person. But when you're telling them a story, somehow the ego that puts them in that state of being wired up, egotistical type person, that's a mental, emotional state all of a sudden is diffused because they're in their, this mode in their brains where they're listening to a story. You guys should practice that. Like practice it with your kids, right? If you, got, if you have a Zoe type in your life, start uh, telling the kids stories opposed to telling the kid what to do. You know, try to get them to understand, persuade them, not through threats and bribes, which is our two go-to things with Zoe, but <laughs> yeah. through telling stories. And then yeah. instantly you're going to get the reaction that you want. And you don't be surprised when they give you that story back two days later because well, it sunk in. For example, Zoe is going to go from first to second grade. And Zoe has to go through a lot of, you know, testing and whatnot before she's allowed to go from first to second grade. 
And she wasn't really, as you can imagine, wanting to be tested on the rest of it. It was something that she just didn't really like because she's Zoe. Mm -hmm. And so I told her the story of the kid who basically didn't pass all their first grade tests, the little girl named Sally, and how Sally basically stayed in the first grade, even though she was bigger and you know, of all the other little kids. And all, she saw all of her friends playing in the playground in separate recesses that she couldn't go play with because she was stuck in first grade. She could. Okay. So it was kind of a sad story, but it did you know, cut through her little uh, baby ego, mm -hmm. her seven-year-old ego. And so then she comes to me, was it last night or this morning? I don't remember. This morning. This morning. And she, she sat on my lap, you know, she gave me a morning hug, says, I love you, Dada. And um, we do that every morning. And then she started, I started saying like, she wanted to go um, and she wanted to play. She wanted to do something else. I said, well, and I said, well, as a joke, I said, Zoe, do you want us to tell mama that the internet's out so you don't have to go to, uh, you know, <laughs> online school You went, and we can, go out, we can go out and play? I was <laughs> yeah. just joking with her. Yeah. And she goes, no, dad, I have to pass all my tests so I can go to second grade. Just whereas, like that. Whereas the day before, she was essentially, you know. <laughs> I shouldn't for, have to do that. And, looking for threats you know, and bribes to keep her yeah, on track. That's right. Yeah. Stories make a huge difference. And you can use them on in virtually every situation in real estate. You know, somebody doesn't want to take a certain kind of offer. You can say, well, I'm concerned. Can I tell you why? Because right. so-and-so made that same decision and lived to regret it. So let me ask you, you if know. you're willing. So I know the price in this property is more than you thought you were going to have to pay. But let me ask you a question. If you uh, drive past the same house a year from now and it's even more by fifty dollars or $100,000, how are you going to feel? Exactly. Or make exactly. it into a story. And so you if know. that happened, you know, Bob and Susie, they had the same exact conversation. They passed on it a year later. Now they have to stay renting because they can't afford the housing. And that's one of the biggest regrets. I don't want you to feel like, you know, I don't want you to be in the same position as Bob and Susie. That and kind doesn't of that make you think and feel? And it's not just that you're thinking about the situation. You're feeling that situation. Yeah. Even though you're not talking about me, I'm talking about how much it must be terrible for that couple to have to feel that way. And stories with details matter. So yeah. now you want to basically, again, try to use real people, right? But you want, or it doesn't even have to be your story. It can be a story of some other agent you know. But well, then that's if, part of the reason we give you stories on the podcast, by the way. You know, you, right, exactly. If you, you know, they chose to have the, they wanted to buy this house because it had a fenced in backyard for their golden retriever. His, you know, his name was Bob. Poor Bob. <laughs> you, you know, they have two little kids and it was walking distance elementary school and it was just perfect but you know steve he couldn't get past the fact that he felt he was overpaying for the house by fifty thousand, and that was that his wife wanted it the kids wanted it you know the dog bob wanted it but they just weren't willing to move forward and uh you know they took themselves out of the market and they stayed renting and i i ran i ran to him the other day at starbucks and they came up to me and thanked me for helping you know find a house and you know they didn't they're still renting but thanked me for working with them and the whole thing and actually they ended up sending me a couple of referrals but they said not paying the price on the house was one of their biggest regrets because now they know that house is worth not fifty thousand more than what they were you know lamenting over but it's worth like 125,000 more than what they could have very well bought it for so they could have walked into essentially 75 thousand dollars in equity and now they're probably priced out of the market and have to say tenants for the long term and i could see the the pain and regret in their eyes and i felt sorry for them especially bob the golden retriever <laughs> no. i thought for sure you were going to say that they got a letter from their landlord saying that bob wasn't allowed anymore oh no see <laughs> don't take it too far i don't want to take it too far <laughs> I, know, I know but i hope that they got the point from this tomorrow we're going to give you the six to eight responses to you know, that objection, where am I going to move? So as homework in between, see how you do. Write them down between now and tomorrow. Actually, I thought of a better end of the story. Okay. So uh -oh. Bob was so mad that he didn't have his fenced-in backyard. He packed his, packed his Bob 
you know, golden backpack. retriever bags. And he basically went and knocked on those uh, people's door who got his perfect house with this perfect fence in the backyard and decided to move in with them. <laughs> exactly, because Bob the Golden can do that. <laughs> so, yes. Anyway, so for homework, write down your six to eight responses to how am I going to, where am I going to go if you sell my house? And then we'll go through those with you tomorrow and you'll have a better answer than, yeah, it's hard out there right now. Okay, yeah, exactly. You. So guys, listen, text 2021 to 47372, text 2021 to 47372 and grab the real estate treasure map and obviously the uh, Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate. In the meantime, if you guys want to talk to Julian about EXP, please do text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.